everyone. Before we start the show, we just wanted to let you know that there's a couple ways that you could get in touch with us that we would absolutely love to hear from you. So you can reach us via email at thursdayhouse1 at gmail.com or our very own website at thursdayhouse.com. There you can see our latest episodes when they drop and links to things we've talked about or um, lists. Who knows? We're also on social media. You can find us on Instagram, MeWe, and Gab at Thursday House Podcast or on Parlor at Thursday House. Now on to the chaos. You know, I'm a little tired, I gotta say. A yeah. little bit tired. So, first week back to school. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that was this week. Yeah. <laughs> Only four short days, four and a half days ago. I know. I'll start our, our fall back to school. It feels like a lot longer ago. Does it? It was I just Monday. I, I mean, we have been doing so much stuff around here lately that I feel like I can't catch up. It's just all of a sudden, it's just, it's like weekend. And the weekend's gone, and then week, and the week's gone, and then weekend, and the weekend's gone, and I just, you know. I keep picturing, like, life as a train, and I'm, like, I'm just trying to, like, keep up. I'm trying to, like, get on there. Get, jump through the door like a vagabond. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. Like, I'm, yeah. And then, um, you know, my husband finally got his K-1s in. Yeah. It's September, so. Yeah, like, and who wants to think about tech stuff in September? I know, right? So, like, all of a sudden, you know, it's fall. All the fall sports have started. We've got, like, three baseball teams going, one travel soccer team going, back to school, back to work, back to all the things. And then all the K-1s arrive, and and we're like, okay, well, I guess we're going to stay up till 1 o'clock in the morning doing taxes. And it's been fun. Good times. Yeah. I'm ready. Also, it's like, um... It's like a thousand degrees still, which is, I'm kind of, it's nice. I didn't want, summer here was kind of lousy with all the rain. It was all over the place. Yeah, so it's kind of nice to have a few hot days, but at the same time, like all the pumpkin spice stuff is in the store. We're back to school. Like, I just am kind of ready for, to ease into some milder weather, I guess. I mean, you know me, I don't want it to get below 60, but, Uh -uh. but 70 would be nice versus seventy is my favorite. Seventy is my absolute favorite temperature. Is it? It's like you 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 reach this like homeostasis. Like you don't feel anything hot and you don't feel anything cold. It's just you're just existing outside. I think seventy five is mine, but um, but in the summer I don't even like seventy five. Like it has to be seventy eight to eighty one before I am. Like I'm not getting in a pool until it's hotter than that. Nope. But, um, yeah, so my daughter has been playing travel soccer for the first time. And she's she all of a sudden realized last weekend in the heat on a turf field that she had n- nowhere near the amount of endurance that she would need in order to play soccer at this level at her age. And so um, she, you know, nearly fell out after... <laughs> 
Literally, like, literally. I mean, granted, she was the only kid who hadn't been subbed out yet. So, like, she played a whole half and then had a very quick halftime and then went right back in. But, like, about halfway through the second half, it was not pretty. Let's just put it that way. So, this week, she finally took me up on the offer to, you know, run with me to get some endurance. But she really needs to be running sprints. So, <laughs> I mean... Four days this week, I've been running sprints with the child, and I am 46 years old. Like, my body doesn't sprint. <laughs> so I feel like the whole week I've just been sore, <laughs> tired. But I did stairs offer, so I guess. Um, oh, stairs are absolutely not my friend. Not no. my friend. But anyway. I know. Today she was playing with a friend, so I got to just go on a jog. <laughs> on your normal. My normal jog. No 100-yard no dash. It was fantastic. But still hot. So, anyway. Yeah. And it's Labor Day, so like one more weekend of the pool, except we have tournaments all weekend. But Monday we'll have the pool. There you go. So, anyway. Good. Yeah. So I guess we're, we've, we're getting to the near to the end of our summer book series, which is good because it's fall. <laughs> and it's the end of summer. <laughs> and, Very um, apropos. We still have a few chapters left, but we didn't want to skip them because oh. these are kind of more the people everybody knows. Yeah. So I think what we decided to do was double them up a little bit till we got through to the end. So we're going to do two today and then maybe, maybe two, two the next week. Next week, and then we'll end up with Timothy. So we've got like three weeks left. Yeah. How's that sound? That sounds awesome. And I really like the ones for today. I did too. I like them Although, very much. I am really annoyed with the title of the first one. So today we're talking about John Piper and Charles Spurgeon. And the title of chapter seven, the, ch the, t the um, sorry, the chapter regarding John Piper and his mother is called The Quiet Grace of the Ordinary. You didn't like that? I hated it, I actually. like it. I thought this woman was anything but ordinary, and I'm annoyed with them for calling her ordinary. I think that was the point, kind of. Do you? Yeah, I think that um, anybody reading this story would have the exact same reaction. But in her time, what she was doing was ordinary. She wasn't trying to be... Uh, trying to be a super mom. She wasn't trying to be everything. She was just doing what she thought a mom should do. Maybe. And okay, they that. also used what I now is my new favorite word. My old favorite word was obtuse. Uh-huh. And my new favorite word is omnicompetent. omnicompetent. I love that word. I mean, that is my whole master... Well, I, I see, I don't like this cliche master of... Uh, Jack of all trades. Jack of all trades, master of none. I don't like it because it minimizes the jack of all trades part. Right. Like, okay, so you're not a master of one. You're a jack of all trades. What's wrong with being a jack of all trades? Right. I've never understood this. No, I think that's probably good. Why would you just want to be good at one thing? I mean, because most people aren't going to be the greatest whatever of, of whatever field. You yeah. know, they're the greatest of is a small list. The greatest baseball player, the greatest brain surgeon the great what whatever whatever it is you know the greatest of list is very small so be a jack of all trades be a we used to call that a renaissance man didn't right we like a leonardo da vinci kind of yes. character it was a, a a moniker that you wanted to have yes and i love that i i actually yeah i don't know that um maybe you're right maybe they were 
maybe they were being cute being cute with it i just i i was kind of going there's nothing no ordinary about this woman but she wasn't trying to be she wasn't trying to be a be-all do-all master person yeah but she ended up having more influence than she could have realized at the time i agree i agree I think they were almost kind of, because they said a couple of times in the air, I was trying to look, like, don't worry if you're not, you know, the greatest theologian or the greatest whatever or whatever, but, you know, you can, you can be, all of us ordinary mothers, you know, are, are just as important. Oh, well, actually, okay, in the mother's reflection, she just says, although in truth, Ruth doesn't seem very ordinary to me. She seems like a super mom. So yeah. maybe you're right. I, 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 maybe I just, but yes, calling this woman ordinary would just be like awful. insane. So let's go through. Let's go, let's start. So John Piper was the second. See, this is the other problem with doing more than one of these is that I've come confusing them. <laughs> Thank goodness for highlighters. He was, I know he was the second child and the first son born to Bill and Ruth Piper in 1918 in Pennsylvania and um, what I thought was really interesting about this story that um, Bill and Ruth um, graduated together in 1936 they both went to college um, which you know you you think I think people in our generation honestly truly truly believe especially Millennials think that women in the like Late 1800s, early 1900s, didn't go to college. Like they just cooked all day in front of a kettle. It's not true. Many of them went to college. Um, Anyway, and she did. And she went to study music education, and then they got married in 1938. And they moved to Tennessee, where they both transferred to Bob Jones College. And then they, um, they graduated, and Bill became a pastor. Right? Yeah. Missionaries, evangelist, whatever. Um, And actually, he worked at Bob Jones College. And Bob Jones College was relocated to Greenville, South Carolina. And so they eventually moved there as well. But what I thought was really interesting was Bill spent, they said, about two-thirds of his time, or just over 250 days a year, traveling. So he was not at home. And they said um, he was home for six and away for 12 years. Of John's life. Yeah. I know. That's crazy. That is. Like, the more you expand that number out. Yeah. It feels really big. I mean, I don't think I could handle that. I got to say. Now, granted, I don't know if um, John and, you know, this family, if they were doing travel baseball and travel soccer and blah, 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 swim team and all that other stuff. But I just don't know. But they were. She was running um, rental properties, paying the bills, caring for the home and property, working a part-time job to earn extra money, and teaching her kids. I mean, I'm just like... Yeah. Like, hats off to you, Ruth. Like... Yeah. Super mom. And I love how he talks about her. He says, she taught me how to cut the grass and splice the electric cord and pull Bermuda grass by the roots and paint the eaves and shine the dining room table with a chamois and drive a car and keep french fries from getting soggy in the cooking oil. Like, I love all that. That was my favorite part of the story. Yeah, I know. But so then also the did all of his schoolwork. Then she dealt with the contractors when we needed a basement. More than once, put her hand to the shovel. 
it never occurred to me that there was anything she couldn't do. I love this one quote he says. It, it never occurred to me. Well, okay, I'm skipping. First of all, it never occurred to him there was there was nothing she couldn't do. He had, he saw this very strong woman who was kind of in a way doing the role of the man. I mean, right. there's a lot of these things were what considered, meant, the, yes, man's considered duty. the man's duty and that the other families where the man, where the husband was at home or the father was at home, he would have been cutting the grass. He would have been splicing the electrical cord. Teaching he the son how to drive. Right. Exactly. That's not, that's not typically something delegated to a mom. Right. Exactly. And so, um, so she was kind of stepping up. We keep talking about this complementarianism and this is how we kind of got into this in the beginning was, you know, how do we, how do we um, teach our sons headship when that's not our role? And she is now like displaying headship. And yeah. you can see his awe in her ability to do all these things and manage all these things. She's in a way teaching him how to be a man, you know? Because yeah, da- her dad, her, his, his, her husband, his father was not there. <laughs> but then he says, as soon as dad returned, she seated. Right. Leadership. Yeah, and there was no, uh, there were no bumps in the road. I mean, it sounded like it was so seamless. Mm-hmm. Like she just, you know, took a step back and said, all right, you're back now. Right. And actually, I read another article that John Piper wrote just a few years ago where he said she did it with joy. She was so happy he was back. And not because, oh, good, I get to break now, but just because, just to let him lead the, lead the prayers and, and take his role back. Like she wasn't. Um, she wasn't bitter. Like I do all the work and now you come back and you just take over, right? It wasn't, that wasn't it at all. She was very happy to have him back, very happy to have him in his, you know, role. His role and her doing her role. And, um, you know, this is where the, the quote from John Piper in here says, it never occurred to me that leadership and submission had anything to do with superiority and inferiority. And it didn't have to do with muscles and skills either. It was not a matter of capabilities and competencies. It wasn't a matter of any of those things. It was just how it was supposed to be. It was just how God wanted it, how God ordered it. And they were fine with that. Right. There was never any competition. There was no, well, we don't know, but I have to assume that there was no resentment and there's no... I don't think so because the way he spoke about her. Right. Yeah. So, um... He also said that she wasn't um, a super theologian, which has made me feel much better. Yeah, right. Uh, but that she, but she knew the Bible. I mean, I feel like I feel like that is how a lot of us are. You know, I mean, we read the Bible, we study the Bible. I can't quote, um, you know, scripture. Ver, you know, by I I I remember things, and I I think. Think, very thankful for online Bibles now with the search function. Because <laughs> I'll remember, app. I'll be in a situation with the kids where I'm like, I can think of a story in the Bible that yeah. I, that fits this situation. I want to relate it to them, but I can't remember what what chapter was right. that in. Yes. Where is that? So I can just search like some keywords and there, come, it, is. there it is. I can't know? remember things verbatim, but like you, like I can remember an idea and like some of the words in it. So I love my Bible app. Yeah. There <laughs> I you love go. that thing. Um, so anyway, um, I, you know, I don't know if I have a whole lot more to say. I really liked it. I liked it too. I loved that when he went after she died 
and he found a folder labeled unfinished business. <laughs> and there was nothing in it. There was nothing. He opened it up and there was nothing in it. That made me laugh. I love that part. And he said, while she lived here, she was a finisher of tasks. She left no business behind that was left unfinished because of sloth or mismanagement. See, like, I'm reading all this going, this is not an ordinary woman. No. This is a woman who I would, I would be constantly going, oh my gosh, why can't I have a friend like this? who works full-time, has four kids, manages to get them wherever they need to go, does it with a smile on her face and joy in her heart all the time. And I just sit there and I go, I need to be more like her. It re- speaking of scriptures, it reminds me of the Proverbs 31 woman who does not eat the bread of idleness. Mm-hmm. Like, that's that lady. Yes. Yeah, that's Ruth Piper. Yeah, I agree. I thought it was, I thought it was really inspiring and not ordinary at all. No. So, um, unordinary. So let's get through the questions real quick. How does Ruth's sense that she was ordinary encourage you as an ordinary mother? Well, you don't have to try to do it all. You just do what you can. And I think that's what she was doing. She wasn't going after any awards. She was just managing her house and doing it to the best of her ability. I agree. I agree. I think that's a good answer. Do you ever feel like you don't know enough to really teach your kids about God? How does John and Ruth's story change your thinking on that? Because I do think she was worried about the fact that... I knew, it Was this the story that they said the only book they ever saw her reading was the was Bible? Pro, was pro, yeah, and, and namely Proverbs. Mama knew the good book, especially the Proverbs. Yeah, he said... Her children have no memory of her reading any book but the Bible and no recollection of her quoting any of its verses except Proverbs. She tried to squeeze every little bit of wisdom out of that. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a lot of wisdom in Proverbs. So, like, you could, that's a lifetime that you could spend on the wisdom of Proverbs. But I do, um, I mean, I think part of the reason we started this whole thing was because we wonder if we have the skills that it takes to raise sons. Yeah. Um, And I think that what she did was. She humbled herself. She did exactly what you said, you know, just did what she could do. Didn't try to... No, she didn't try to pass it off on anyone else. She didn't... Mm-mm. And, and, and she wasn't necessarily trying to be both parents either. It didn't right. seem like. It just seemed like she was saw a need for things to be done and then did them. Mm-hmm. Do you grow weary, weary, excuse me, weary, laboring in obscurity and wonder if your children deserve a mother known for her accomplishments? No. No. I read that I question and I was like, uh, yeah, am I supposed to just bag on myself? Um, I, I do think there are, I think there are a lot of women, especially in today's society, that feel like... Oh, I wish my children had a better mother? Not, I don't think it's that. I think it's, um, I think it's... You know, there was, okay, there was um, something that came out this week in the news where Kim Kardashian was telling women with businesses to just uh, expletive, expletive, get back to work, you know, just stop. And I think that there is that push in society right now to not just be a mother, to be a super mom, to be, to do all of the things, to be an expert in a field, to make money, to have a title, and to be a mother, and to be the team mom, and to be the classroom mom, and, and it's exhausting. It is, but that's not what kids want. Like, if there's anything that I know about kids, they don't care about 
awards and accomplishments. They just want you home and they just want you to pay attention to them. Yeah, I mean, that was a big lesson for me. Um, my mom worked when I was younger and she tells this story. Gigi, if you're listening, I'm, this, I'm just being honest here. Um, she tells this story about how when she was working, she had to miss my one like my uh, a big event when I was five years old, maybe my birthday or something like that, because she was out of town on a business trip, and she um, she was very upset about missing it. And she came to me, and I said something like, "I'm glad you have a job. I wouldn't want to have one of those boring moms that's at home all the time." Okay, I I was five. I don't remember this. I'm sure I said it. You know, my mom doesn't lie. Blah blah blah. I can just say from my perspective, I've had the exact opposite conversations with my kids, especially my oldest daughter who begged me several times to quit working oh, yeah. and to stay home yes. and did not like that I was working nope. and didn't want me to leave every day and wanted me to be at home. And, um, that was a big reason I went part-time, even though it was a big pay cut and all those other things. And one of the reasons I, I found, I, I looked for a job where I could work part-time remote and that kind of thing because my kids really did not want me working. They wanted no, me at home. They didn't care what you were doing. Mm -mm. And they didn't care that I, I, even I didn't even know what I did until a couple of years ago. <laughs> so, um, I remember for some, some reason, like I, he got hurt or something and I was trying to mend him and he said something like he needed to go to the doctor. And I said, honey, I am a doctor. And he was completely... Like, like blown away? <laughs> blown away by that statement. I'm like, what do you think, I what do you doing? think I've been doing all this time when I come home from the hospital and in scrubs? And Did he just think you like hurt yourself all I the time? I have no idea. I have no <laughs> clue. But anyway, so yeah, I really don't think that kids put as much stock into that. But I do think women do. Yes. So um, I think a lot of women would actually answer that question differently than both of us would but okay um so what does ruth piper's life teach you about god's ability to use someone with ordinary talents and accomplishments again i just i don't see her She's as not ordinary ordinary talents and accomplishments but and it reminds me of that quote god doesn't call the equipped he equips the called oh i agree like that kind of fits in there yeah do the circumstances of your family life demand that you take on most of the responsibility for running your home and training your children? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's why we're... Why are we here? That's why we're having this conversation. Exactly. Um, what's the attitude of your heart as you serve in ordinary ways in the home? I'm going to be honest. We all know I do not deal with the home things well. <laughs> I mean, if it's if the home things are like what she's talking about, like cutting the grass and splicing the electric cord, I'm all in. When you when all of a sudden I have to like clean floors and all clean all the things, cl clean everything, I'm 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 not a fan. So I will do it, but my attitude in my heart is probably not where it should be. I'm just gonna go. <laughs> I'm it's not okay. like sitting there scrubbing the toilet, thanking God for the opportunity to, you know, do the little things around the house. That's not what's happening See, in those moments. We have such an opposite take on that. It's like I'll clean every toilet, but like three weeks ago, I offered to mow the lawn in the back and I got through 10 minutes and I was like, this is the worst thing I've ever done. Mowing the lawn is hard. It's not. It is hard. 
Oh my goodness, it's not. Well, I don't think cleaning a toilet is particularly. <laughs> cleaning difficult. a toilet, you have to get down on the floor. You have to like reach around the thing. Everything smells bad. I just, I, mm -mm. no, 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 no. I love mowing lawn. You know how much I love the lawn. I actually consider it a vacation for my children for like an hour. I go out there with my headphones in, you know, getting a tan. Like, I oh love yeah, it. the the sweating and the heat part too that I was just like this is a terrible job that's why we make our children mow the lawn oh because well, it's perfect for a 13 year old boy I think yeah my Not kids that. are gonna have to like fight me over the lawnmower but um every one of us sometimes feels overwhelmed by our many tasks and responsibilities ask God to give you strength to continue to meet your obligations without becoming bitter about your workload I mean, I think we all need that a little bit. Yeah. Okay, so the next one, we're moving on. Anything more further to say about John Piper? No. no? Um, chapter 8, The Virtue of a Pleading Mother. And this is <clears throat> the chapter on Charles Spurgeon, which I knew Charles Spurgeon's. I knew of Charles Spurgeon. I have a <coughs> book written by Charles Spurgeon. I didn't realize, though, how popular Charles Spurgeon was. Yeah. Uh, no long before I knew who he was, I had heard many quotes by him. Mm -hmm. none, none that I can name off the top of my head. But I always wondered who he was. Yeah. I mean, they say at his funeral, there were 100,000 people lining his funeral route. I had no clue. So anyway, and especially considering the fact that he was born in 1834. So this is not, this is like pre-population boom. And there right. was still like so, anyway, he was born in England, um, the first child of John and Eliza. And um, she was only 19 when he was born. And, her, and his father was a bivocational independent pastor. I don't know exactly. I don't really know what, I don't know some of these terms. So, I think if you are in the pastoral field, you probably... Know, know what that means, bivocational. but... I mean, I can... I have an idea of what that means, but not in that context. Yeah. But he was also frequently gone from home and left Eliza... Okay, this is what... This is the thing I was thinking about the last chapter, was the uh, the 17 children. And I was like, was that Piper or was that Spurgeon? So that was Spurgeon. 17... Gave birth to 17 children. Only um, um, eight would survive infancy. But I can't even imagine giving birth to 17 children. Nope. I gave birth to nope. four. Nope. Four. 17 is a lot. I would, would never remember any of them. It would all just run together in my head. I'd have to write everything down. I, yeah. I mean, I don't know how your body recovers from that. So that's like, I mean, being pregnant for... I, 15 years. Yeah, but that's if you did them back to back. There had to been some period of time because right true. after you, so you're talking yeah. about a couple of decades where you're either pre-pregnant, post-pregnant, or pregnant. Yeah. I mean, oh my goodness. Anyway, um, so shortly after Charles was born, he went to live with his grandparents. This I thought was terrible. Yeah. And this whole story like it killed me. I'm like. 17 kids then he goes to live with his grandparents until he's like five so he was like a baby and a toddler when he was gone yeah and i'm like i can not even imagine 
all the, first of all, not getting to see my kid yeah. that whole time. That's I like get that she's time. still pregnant and having babies and all well, that. That's not his fault. But but yeah, but she also. I mean, wouldn't you miss your child? I would yeah. miss my all. Yeah, I, I don't. I couldn't do it. Um, Kate goes to her grandparents a few times a week, and that still is like a, a lot. And oh she my comes gosh. back at the end of the day. Oh, I know. Yeah, I know. I mean, Brian and I are going on our first vacation, couples vacation since my children were born together without them in a couple of months, and I'm already getting nervous about it. <laughs> so there you go. Um, so he remained there until he was four or five, and then he came back. But he would continue to enjoy long visits with his grandparents. Well, you would think so because... They were like his only he family. Didn't, he wouldn't have been old enough to know who his mother was. I know. Yeah, I didn't like that part. I didn't understand it's it. Very sad. I mean, toddlerhood is the best. It well, I yes, I I like all the phases, and every time I get out of a phase and into another one, I'm like, this is my favorite phase. But but that's a long time to spend without your kid. Or to spend without your mom. Now, maybe they lived close by and he just lived there, but they saw each other every week. I have no idea. Yeah, it doesn't really expand on that. Uh Uh-uh. Anyway, he was, I guess, around older people. I mean, now, older people, when we say older people, he was around older people. His mother was 19, so his grandparents were in their 40s. So his grandparents were my age. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, he wasn't around older people. But, again, it's different than being around a 19-year-old mom, being around a 45-year-old you know, grandmother. So he, um, he read a lot. He was, he listened, uh, in on theological debates. And when he was six, he read Pilgrim's Progress. I mean, this was a very, very, it was a very, a a very intelligent child, but also he was a very intelligent child, but also he's around grownups, you know, a lot. I think that probably had a lot to do with it. Um, and he said he struggled against God for a long time. Yeah. And he knew it. Mm-hmm. He was very aware of what he called, like, his sinful nature. Mm-hmm. Or something to that extent. Yeah, he was precociously aware of his deep depravity, at, you know, as a 10-year-old. I wish my 10-year-old was <laughs> precociously aware of her deep depravity. Um, anyway, I'm just kidding. Anyway, um... Then he started ministry. I mean, then he just kind of turned around and started started ministry. Um, I guess realized he was realized he was going. He wasn't where where he was supposed to be. Yeah. Um, so what he remembers about his mom, uh, because he did become very close to his mom, and what he remembers about his mom was that his mom was always praying. For their salvation. Out loud. Out All loud. the time. Yes. And she like would pray this mother. prayer. Now, Lord, if my children go on in their sins, it will not be from ignorance that they perish, and my soul must bear a swift witness against them at the day of judgment if they lay not hold of Christ. So, so she's saying, um, I tried, <laughs> and if they aren't going to come to Jesus by the time they die, well... That's on them. Well, not even that it's on them, that she will bear witness against them. Right. I mean, I can't imagine. I, I mean, now I'm, now I'm starting to figure out how this, I mean, he is an old soul. But yeah. He has good reason. So he lives with his grandparents till he's five. Then he comes home to this house full of children, and he's the oldest, and uh-huh. he's taking care of everybody. His mom's outwardly praying every day. 
for his soul. Like, while they, she hugs them, while she, like, you know, they eat breakfast all the time. Mm-hmm. And, um, eventually he turns around and becomes a, one like, of the greatest theologians ever in the history of time. <laughs> when you die, I'm going to be standing next to Jesus pointing my finger at you. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, um... And they say she was a glad woman. She was a glad woman who reaped a glorious harvest because she had been faithful. I'm like, okay. All right. Yeah, these were... I'm she glad seems we, a little extreme. I'm glad we, like, hit these together because, yeah, you've got you've got several very different archetypes yes. in mothers here. So let's go through these questions. In all the ways that you pray for your children, how much time do you spend praying for their souls? I mean, I, I gotta hit, this one hit me pretty hard. I mean, I do a little um, pray for their souls. Uh, mostly in church when, like, Tyler's, like, falling asleep on the pew and Nora's, like, coloring and stuff like that. And I'm like, guys, can you please just try to pay just attention? Just try to pay attention. Like, um, we're supposed to be worshiping here, you know? Um, My kids will turn to me and I'll, I'll see them lean in to whisper and I'm like, oh, I wonder what they're going to say. Like, is it about the sermon? And it is something completely unrelated to yeah. church whatsoever. Are we having chicken? And you're like, what? What, what is it? happening look, here? Look, look at the stage. Look, uh-huh. every yeah, it's like to the person talking. Um. Yes. Anyway. Well, it wasn't really until this book that I was really um, interested in not praying for their like day to day things, but more of like a big picture. I really. Um. I have one child, um, who I've already mentioned, who um has spent quite a bit of his life trying to die, yep. like over and over and over again. And so I, this chapter really did affect me because I'm like, I spend way more time praying that he doesn't die than praying about what will happen to his soul when he does, because it's inevitable that we will all die. Now I hope he doesn't do it at seven. Although again, he tries really hard every day, wakes up every day and says, how can I kill myself today? But, um, but so I do, I feel like I, I spend a lot more time praying for his safety on earth and not the security of his soul. So I've been trying to do that a little bit more. I still haven't done it in front of him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she, I mean, so it, I think one of the questions, and I'm going to, you know, give it away, but it's like, do you pray out loud with your kids? When, when we do a Bible study, like we, you know, we all take turns saying the prayer at the end. Uh-huh. So that's about it. But I'm not like standing over their room, like as they go to sleep at night, like, you know, physically praying over them. Yeah. I have done that a little bit. Pray for them when they're asleep, but when they're asleep. Yeah. Like, I've gone into their room <clears throat> yes. after they have fallen asleep. Yes. And maybe, like, put my hand on them and said a little prayer yes. for them or whatever. I have done that also, but not out loud when they can, like, Yeah. Mom, what are you doing? <laughs> yes. You know, laying hands on them. Dear Lord, please help this. Yeah, no, I haven't done that. I haven't done that a lot. I don't know what um, my kids would do <laughs> if I did. And we pray out loud, too, like at mealtime. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of praying out loud. We pray out loud at Bible time um, when we start Bible in the morning and everything like that. But, it, again, it's not like a just you out loud for everyone else to hear. Yes. Yes. Hmm. Um, I did think it was interesting when she was talking about, do you ever think to pray for their salvation above praying for their safety? Which, again, that is very convicting to me. For their dance tryout, which I've never done. Um, I, I, I really... I, I have prayed... Like, Nora really wanted to make the travel soccer team. 
and I I might have prayed that she didn't. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I, I prayed that she would be okay with whatever happened. I prayed that she would take it in stride, that she would see God's plan and God's will and blah, 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 and not That's be too good. upset. Not like, oh, man, tonight's tournament. I hope they beat whatever team. Yeah. And, and I have legitimately, we all know that I get really into the boys' little league what? games. And I have sat there and said, you will not, like, talking to myself, like, you will not ask God <laughs> for the outcome, for the outcome of this seven-year-old little league game. <laughs> you will not do that. Um, but this one I can see for their doctor's appointment. I can see that, especially if you had a sick child. If you had a sick child. Yeah. Or a child that you thought might be sick. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's different also. It is. I mean, I think, but I think the point there is that you're supposed to be praying for their soul versus, like, you know, the, the you know, radiation treatments. And right. Or for, or for God's will to oh, be yeah. done, as hard as that is to, as long yeah. as that is to do. Yeah. Um, I can't say a lot about that because that would be... It's hard when you have healthy kids. Yeah, exactly. I I sit here and with my healthy children and be like, well, you shouldn't do that. Yeah. I mean, it's terrible. I I worked in a hospital with very sick kids for a long time. And I can tell you there were a lot of parents that that would have been largely impossible. And then there were a lot of parents who I thought handled it, made it through with the least amount of scars from all, all, all around. The parents, the kids... Because they really did, like, have full faith and trust in God, whatever happened, you know? Those families seemed to do better than the families that were just on their hands and knees praying, God save my child, God save my child every five minutes, you know? Versus your will be done. Yeah. Oof. I know, it's really hard to talk about. Um, That's really hard. How does Charles and Eliza's story change your thinking? Um... Well, I did try hard not to laugh at her praying out loud for her children because that's just that's just rude. But just oh picturing God. her, I just snorted. Yeah, uh, it was it was. I mean, the picture that they paint. Yeah, is it's so like she's funny. in her house coat and slippers and just embracing the children when she sees them and just like you know. She does seem a very emotional person. Um, he said, how can I ever forget her tearful eye when she warned me to escape from the wrath to come? Another time she wrapped her arms around his neck and simply cried to God, oh, that my son might live before thee. I mean, it is, it's kind of funny. Like if you, if they made a movie out of this, it would be, I'm sorry. I know that you're up in heaven right now and you're probably not, um, enjoying this conversation, Eliza, I apologize, but it is kind of funny. It me. is a little, it's a little because it's so contrary to like our own personalities or even the times. I do think though that this does make like the next question is the question you were talking about when, when you do pray for, with your children, do they hear you pray for them personally about their individual needs? No. And I, I do think there's something to be said for that. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think that would really... Um, I mean, she was on to something. Maybe to the extent that she did it wouldn't be like my cup of tea. Uh-huh. But it was a good idea because yeah. then he knew, like, she keeps praying for me like this. Uh-huh. Maybe something I'm doing isn't... Maybe that's how he was so aware. 
know, was that the other guy? He was that, yeah, yeah, that's how he was so aware of his depravity, whatever he called it. Yeah. Like, yeah. my mom rather is clearly than, so upset. Or, 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 I mean, rather than just telling your children it's a fallen world, we're all sinners, blah, 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 they hear this all the time over and over again. If you're actively praying for your child, for their sin, for their soul, for their salvation, then maybe they actually will listen. It's just a different way of saying we're all sinners, we all need forgiveness, we all need, you know, salvation, blah, 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 which maybe get, gets a little repetitive and kids tend to tune it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 I know, I know, I know. But to hear your mother praying for you um, in in kind of the way that Christ prayed for us to, to God, you know, mm-hmm. sort of. Yeah. Um, and I also, I mean, I do think even praying, not even for their salvation, but just, uh, you know, my kids spend a lot of time with me because of uh, homeschooling and stuff like that. And I think a lot of times maybe they see the critical part of me more than they see the caring part of me because because of just the the day, you right. know, what's happening and everything. And if they heard me pray to God for them, I think that would really improve our relationship. You know, they would be like, oh, wow, she really cares about me. She is like bringing my petition to God for me. I'm almost in the, like, again, like yeah. I said, like Jesus did, or, or even like a, a Catholic priest kind of you go and you confess to, and then they bring your petition. I don't know. I'm I don't know. Catholic, but. And then if you hear someone, especially your own mother, saying these things about yourself that you're worthy of all of those things, mm-hmm. then maybe you actually like take that in mm-hmm. and it like improves your self-worth. Mm-hmm. That would be a lot better way of improving your children, child's self-esteem than just you're really good at this, it. and you know. Oh, yeah. I really like how you set the table today. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, okay, Eliza Spurgeon prayed for Charles because he was of high spirit and daring temper. Oh my goodness! Oh, you know exactly. <laughs> you have one of them. I have. I have two actually. My yeah. younger two, my goodness. Can you name a personality trait of each of your children that is a cause for concern unless it's brought under the lordship of Christ? Will you pray that God... Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Say it louder for the people in the back. Will you pray that God will use these traits for um, his glory? That I do. You that do? I do. I have one middle child who could not be more stubborn, and I'm always hoping that that shines through in a really positive way someday like he'll be pressured to do something he doesn't want to do but then he's so stubborn that he's like i'm not you know like your Mm -hmm. stubbornness is now good because you're an adult (laughs) but as a kid you're probably like annoyingly so stubborn yes i think i'm probably still annoyingly stubborn as an adult but you there have been times personal benefit there have been times where i I absolutely had to rely on the fact that there was a lot of pressure coming down, a lot of peer pressure coming down, a lot of societal pressure coming down, yeah. and something had to ground my feet. And, and if you were a wishy-washy kid, you probably would just would have gone along with yeah, that. Yeah, um, that's true. I also think that those things in your childhood prepare you. You know, the the we, we in the church always talk about being fired, you know, being... The fire making the, the, the steel stronger and right. those kinds of things. All the impurities float to the top. Right. Scoop them out. Right. But fire burns. It, that is not a comfortable process. No, of, it hurts. Of, yeah, of getting rid of the impurities, right? Yeah. Um, 
that fortification process is usually painful. Very. And so, you know, yeah, there were things that happened as a child that, that, I mean, I was inherently stubborn, but that reinforced that stubborn streak. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and now I've been, I have been able to rely on that as an adult when I really needed it. And so I, I agree. I think identifying those things in your children that can be annoying, problematic, difficult, difficult, getting themselves into trouble and maybe teaching them, praying for them, but also teaching them how to use those, those strengths, turn those things into strengths. Right. Like, yeah, yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Um, Kathy Cook, that lady that I like very much, she always talks about how, as a girl, she just talked all the time, all the time. And now she's a speaker and yeah. makes money doing so and helps try to improve people's lives by the things she says. Mm-hmm. But she said if her parents had tried to stifle that at a young age, she would not be where she was. Mm. And I'm like, wow, they had a lot more patience than I do. I know. I mean, I have one of those too. And mm-hmm. I do like everyone's. But every once in a while. Um, all your kids talk a lot. I know. That's true. And I don't know. Even the one that has less words than the other ones. She uh-huh. talks a lot, too. She does, too. They do. But the, the oldest one talks a lot. She really does. Sometimes I ask her if she breathes out her ears. I know. It's... Have you taken the oxygen and, you know, do the thing? Yes. And I talk a lot, but I like a lot of quiet time, too. I'm either talking or quiet. And, like, in the car, I like to be quiet. I like to listen to things and be quiet. And she, it's just constant. Yes. And, like, we have one night a week now where I'm driving all across town dropping everybody off. So we're in the car for, like, an hour and a half. And she is talking the, the whole entire time. time. Yeah, she's, the like, one of those um, ticker tape things, like, on the New York Stock Exchange. is just going and going and going and going and going and going. I know. And I'm like, breathe and try to be quiet. Can you just give me, nor can you give me two minutes of just silence, please? I ha- uh, Henry likes to talk to me when I'm at the store. Oh, look at that. Hey, look at that. Have you seen this? This looks really good. As I'm trying to remember my list and trying to pick out stuff, and I'm like, just shut it off. Oh, my goodness. Oh, goodness. Mm-hmm. All yes. right. Anyway. How can you demonstrate to your children the ways that you pray for them? Will you set aside a time to pray aloud so that they can hear your pleas on their behalf? I think this, I mean, I am going to take this from this chapter. I need to do this more. It's a little convicting. It is. I think that, I think it would really improve my relationship with my children. And I have a good relationship with my children. It's not like we have a bad relationship. But I think anything you do like this can improve Everything can be improved upon. Yeah. And so I wanted them to hear me praying on their behalf. And knowing that they're important enough. Yes, that you would take time to do that. That I would take time to do that. Yeah. Because it's hard these days. There is a lot going on. And I don't want my kids to feel like they are just, you know, getting the leftover mommy. Right. And, and moving and, from one thing to the next and yeah. the next and the next and the next. And they're not, that, that's not going to change. It's not like things are going to get calmer. So if I can <laughs> Probably not. Ever. So if I can just um, dedicate a little bit of time every day to praying in front of them, for them, at least they will get to see that. I'll have that. Yeah. They'll know how much you think about them and mm-hmm. want good things for their life. All right. So we have only three left. Like I said, we're going to probably hit two of them next week, and then we'll finish up with Timothy. But in the meantime, even though we are finishing our summer series, we are also starting our fall 
pumpkin spice slash fall foods extravaganza. Oh, it's such a wonderful time of year. It is. It's it's my favorite time of the year. So I started it out. I already have some, <laughs> I have a couple of things she lined does. up for later on. Oh. But I, um, one of the things I needed to use the stove for, and I forgot to get Brian to show me how to do that. We're living out of the garage, people. So my stove is on my uh, barbecue pit, and I'm afraid of it because last year I tried to turn it on and burned off all my eyebrows and eyelashes. So I won't turn it on anymore. Anyway, so I couldn't make that today. I get it. So we're going to start a little slow, but it's okay because it's still hot out. It is know? still hot out. So I brought... Fancy popcorn. Vanilla pumpkin spice popcorn. Is it literally called fancy popcorn? It is called fancy popcorn. That is the cutest name. Um, oh my goodness. It's very, woo. Cozy, pumpkin-y, party popcorn. Oh, I love this. It is not over the top. I love pumpkin oh, spice when it's just a hint, but not over the top. It's when it's over the top, I don't like it. This is yummy. Oh my gosh. Each kernel is like drizzled in vanilla goodness. Uh-huh. And then it has just a little dusting of spice. Mm. That's very nice. It is. It does have sunflower oil in it. Oh, no. And palm kernel oil. So two types of seed oil. I don't know if you guys are noticing the trend in like seed oil is the devil but we've been talking about it we're not really sure what to do with it yet but we should have a podcast on it huh i don't know we can educate ourselves i mean it would take a lot of educating to find out because it's kind of a new thing i don't know how much actual medical data is behind it but there's a lot of unmedical data out I'm there sure. on it <laughs> i mean love that to look into so that true um and oddly, yeah, except in stuff like that, and and honestly, you know, I don't buy a lot of stuff like this. Nope. Um, only for like our little things, but um, I usually use um olive oil, and now because of you, a little bit of avocado oil. avocado oil. So I don't know that I run into a lot of seed seed oils because we just don't eat a lot no. of processed food in my no. house, but. But it is, it is something that is definitely, like, taken over Twitter. Okay. These, they've returned. The pumpkin spice yogurt, yogurt pretzels. pretzels that from Fresh Market. If you've never been, if you get, make your way to the East Coast and make your way to a Fresh Market because they have different season, tiny little mini pretzels covered in yogurt with different flavors for every season. Seriously. But the fall ones are the best. So I got the pumpkin spice ones because we're doing... Because I was... The Christmas ones are very close second. Well, this one... that Right now, they also have the salted caramel ones. I don't know if I've had those. Mm, they're so good, but I got these to go with the pumpkin. Yeah, 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 yeah. Popcorn. They're very good. But yeah, all the flavors. I think all the flavors are really good. I love those. Mm -mm. Anyway. All right. That's awesome. Oh, it's pumpkin-y. Delicious. I'm hoping that... I think last year, wasn't there a pumpkin shortage? Um, There was a couple of years ago. Maybe it was like two or three years ago. I know. It was, I think it was like two or three years ago. There was a huge problem with all the pumpkins that, like in the Midwest that were grown. And so they were telling everyone there's going to be a massive pumpkin shortage this year. And so I went out and bought a bunch of cans of pumpkin. Yeah. 
And then, um, like, two years ago, I was, like, cleaning out the pantry, and there's, like, this these cans of pumpkin from, or maybe, like, last year, these cans of pumpkin from, like, three years ago that were expired and all this other stuff. So I had, like, hoarded cans of pumpkin because I was told there was going to be a pumpkin shortage, and then I never used them. I wish I hadn't done that. I probably use a can of pumpkin every two weeks. Really? What do you use All on? year round. Um, breakfast cookies, breakfast muffins, um, snacks for the kids. That's wild. I love canned pumpkin. But when it's not now, uh-huh. it's too something a can. And I really... Oh. So, it's annoying. Oh, yeah. Well, see, I everything that I make, I just roast a pumpkin for. And for years I was doing that. Oh my gosh, that's so much work. It's not. You cut it in half and you put it on a cookie sheet for 40 minutes in the oven. Yeah, and by the way, canned pumpkin isn't always just pumpkins. Yes, yes. You have so to look I'm for a, the 100% pumpkin ones and well, stuff like that. Yeah, well, well, even Libby's, even Kroger's brand, they're not all pumpkins. Oh, they're like there different squash, kind of squash mm-hmm. and stuff like that? So I'm afraid if I make my own, it's not going to taste the same. Oh, well. But I do roast pumpkin for pumpkin soup. I do too, but I mean, I used to do it for, um, well, I'd roast sweet potatoes and butternut squash for all the baby food, because for years I was just in baby food production every Sunday. Yeah, I wouldn't give my baby pumpkin puree. Oh, but if you put a little nutmeg with it, I would put like... Like, No, from a can. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, homemade stuff, yeah. But, um, yeah, so... Not for the stuff that I make. I don't know. I guess I'm just picky. I'm, there's, a, like, a certain taste I'm looking for. I see. Okay. All and right. I came to know that it was a squash pumpkin mixture. Mixture. Hmm. All right. So anyway. Okay. I don't, I don't think it's, I mean, I don't think it's that big of a deal. I'm just hoping the prices come down. Uh-huh. Not, <laughs> <laughs> not anytime soon, my friend. Not anytime soon. Pay $3 for a can of pumpkin. Oh, I hate to tell you. <sighs> You know what? I bet they come down momentarily yes. right now. And I will buy a lot. And you should buy I'm a lot. I'm going to start like, putting money aside just for my pumpkin expenses. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Anyway, yes, but I don't see the, uh, I don't see the prices of anything coming Yeah, I guess that was soon. sort of a pipe dream. Anyway. All right. Well, this was fun. Yay. And it started our fall pumpkin extravaganza. extravaganza. And uh, we'll see you guys next week. All right. Take care. Bye.